All right. So we've been looking at redemption, the topic of redemption. We understood what it means. It means something that belonged to you was taken away from you, but now you are paying a full price to buy it back legally. It originally belonged to you, but was taken away from you by deception. But now you are paying a full price to buy it back legally and establishing your authority and power over it. We understood that man was made by God because God wanted family. Man was the most highest form of God's creation created in God's own image. And God wanted family. That's why he made man in his own image. Not like a lower class of being. We are God class of being. That means created in God's image. God's, God's own image. He didn't look anywhere else for inspiration. That's he looked at us. I mean, he looked at himself and made us. See, if you look at it, the devil is trying to destroy that image. Devil is trying to distort that information. That's why he brought about the theory, in quotes, of evolution. It's still a theory. It can't be proved. They find, try to find a lot of uh, proof, but it is still a theory which does not have a proof. Why, 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 is, why is it so important to them? Because that, if, if that can be proven, that proves that man is not in the image of God. Man was some monkey who became smarter. Are you understanding that? So, man, if they can disprove that, then they can take God away from the whole creation. That you are just a blob of something, that a chemical composition, that just by some accident became a living thing, and then you just evolved into higher uh, form of organism. So that can take God out of the picture. But that is not true. Scripture says, that man was made in the image of God. We are God class of being. No matter how forward we come in technology, that cannot be disproved that we are God's class of being. So, science may try to disprove it, but science ends up proving that God exists. <laughs> they can't help it. I mean, I, I, I worked in the forefront of technology and I found out that no matter what you work with, what, what technology can bring before you, the word of God always has an answer and a solution for it. So what, we are, <coughs> you can sit. so what we are looking at is trying to understand the purpose of creation. God made man in his own image because he wanted family. We understood the nature of man. He, he made him as a three-part being. He, the real person is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. The spirit is the real person. Made in the image of God because God is a spirit. And our soul contains our mind, where our thoughts come, our will, where we make decisions, our ability to make decisions and our um, emotions. That's how we express our decisions. And our intelligence by which we analyze stuff, what's happening around us. That's our soul. And we live in a body. All right? And we understood when Adam sinned against God, his spirit was cut off from the life that came from God. Originally, man's spirit was connected to God. He was sustained by the life that came from God, connected to his spirit. But when man sinned, that life was cut off. Spiritual death entered. Because of that, physical death also came in. We under I'm not going into the details of that. So, that's the nature of man. And when he, when he sinned, spiritual death came and then physical death. And then man needed somebody who is 100% God so he can touch God and who is 100% man so he can understand the weakness of man and touch man and then bring man and God together again. It's called the mediator. Man needed a mediator. And we saw and proved from scripture that Jesus was the only person who was 100% man, 100% God and fulfilled every requirement to be that person who could buy man back and restore man's relationship with God. So initially man and God were separated by sin. 
sin stood between man and God. Then what did Jesus do? He became that sin and removed that sin completely. And he became the mediator who now brought man and God together again. So because of him, now man is restored into fellowship with God. That's why the only reason why a person today can go to hell is by not accepting what Jesus did. You can be the worst of sinners. You could have raped a hundred women like the ISIS or you could have killed a thousand people. But still, the only reason you will go to hell is not, for, not accepting Jesus. Why? Because whatever you did is because of the sin nature in you. Some people show it at a very greater level. Some people, by practice, learn to control it. But still, every unsaved person has a sin nature in them that came through Adam's sin. That's why you don't need to teach children to sin. You don't need to teach them to disobey. You don't need to teach them to lie. Nobody came and taught me to lie, but I lied. Why? Because that sin nature is there in the children. You're born with that nature. You're born with that nature. So now, Jesus became that sin. Anything and everything that, became, that represented sin, He became that and removed it completely. So now man is restored to fellowship with God. We understood that. We understood the, the need of His crucifixion. His, uh, what happened to him, spiritual, how he conquered death and we understood his uh, resurrection and his ascension and last week we, we, we were discussing about his present day ministry. What is Jesus doing today? The present day ministry of Jesus. Today he's our high priest, he's our intercessor, he's our mediator, right? And he's our advocate and he's the surety of the new covenant. So we discussed how he is our advocate. So we, we saw that the moment you hear the word advocate, it brings in a court scenario to you. A court scenario. So you have a judge who is God himself. Now today, because we are born again, he is our father. Then we have the accuser of the brethren, who is the devil. In, in the book of Revelation, we saw that his main job is to accuse the brethren day and night. He is that's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. He accuses them. Even believers, he's called the accuser of the brethren. That means believers. His main job is to accuse believers before God day and night. That means, yes, he did that. He did that yesterday. Just five minutes back, he lied. Talking about believers. Before coming to church, he used some foul language. I know, how can he? I mean, that, that's the kind of guy he is. His main job is to accuse believers before God. But thank God we have an advocate, who is Jesus himself, who paid the full price. So like we saw, when the accuser is accusing us, imagine you are there in the box, and the accuser is accusing us before the throne of God, before the judge. He's saying, he did it, he did it. And he's trying to play the video. <laughs> he's trying to play the proof there. Remember, he did it. Then our advocate comes in. He says, my Lord, my father. And he says, I'm his advocate, I, I represent him. First thing I bring before you the proof. Number one, my blood. My blood, which covered and dealt with the sin once and for all. As soon as he says that, the video becomes blank. <laughs> There's no more proof, no more evidence. Why? Because it is all under sin. We understood Jesus died once for all. He is not going to die again and again for everyone. Anytime you do something wrong, he's not going to die again for you. He died once for all sin. Completely removed sin. So today when you or me, when we do something wrong, we have an advocate before God. He says, Lord... It is under, un, under the sin. So that's why 1 John 1 9 says, If anyone sins, let him repent. Because the moment you say, Lord, I'm sorry, it is over. The sin you committed is already paid for. But why do you have to repent? So that your conscience become clearer. Sometimes you, you do something wrong as a believer. And then if you don't 
take care of that by repenting before God, that thing will stay there. And it, it, the, the devil will use it to prick you. And sometimes what happens is you get condemned. Thoughts of condemnation comes in when you don't deal with it. Hebrews 4.16 says, Come boldly to the throne of grace, so you may obtain mercy and grace at the time of need. When is it that you need mercy and grace? When you screwed up. right? Forgive me for using that language, but that's, what, that's normal here. When you mess up, you need mercy. You need grace. Mercy, why? Because mercy makes sure you don't get the punishment you deserve. Grace, why? Grace makes sure you come up from where you were and get the blessings that you don't deserve. That's mercy and grace. When you mess up, you run to the throne of grace. You say, Lord, Daddy, I'm sorry. And then your advocate is there. No matter what the accuser tries against you, the advocate is there. The blood, it's all under the blood. And then what happens? The accuser is silenced. And the judge pronounces the judgment righteous. You are justified. You are justified. Justified means just as if you have done nothing wrong. That's, that's what the judge will proclaim. He is there. He is the righteous judge. That means he cannot say anything that is wrong. So when your advocate comes and presents the proof, the judge says justified righteous so sometimes it may be sickness you sometimes some people because they might be enduring some sickness for a long time they might be going through it they are they are praying for a praying uh, for the healing and the devil will come and try to condemn them see you've been suffering this how can you say you're a believer you've been suffering you've been going through this for years 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 what is it you said you believe jesus what is this and then they can go down that is the accuser accusing the brethren. You need to know you still the advocate is still there. The advocate then comes before the throne of God and says, My Lord, I present to you the evidence. He removes his shirt and shows his stripes. said, My stripes. By my stripes they were healed. You just received that. And then the judge declares, Healed. He says, Healed. That's the judgment. You're healed. Sometimes it might be financial situations that you're going through. The, the accuser will come. See, you said you're believing God. See, that is still the problem. The financial situation is still there. What do you think? You think you're, you, you say God is going to supply all your needs. He's trying to accuse you. He's trying to accuse you. Remember, your advocate is there. He will come before the judge and say, My Lord, I bring to you the evidence. I became poor. Remember, I became poor. I was naked. I was stripped out. I was stripped naked. My, cl my clothes, they were auctioning it. Said The judge will, pro pro will announce the judgment. You're rich. So that's what we need to understand. You have an advocate before the Father. Before the judge of all mankind. Of everything. The advocate brings in the evidence and nobody can deny it. All the evidence the accuser tries to play before God, it is empty. There is no evidence. See, that's the best part. There is no evidence to accuse you. Because when you call on that name, everything is under that. Everything is under his blood. When God looks at us, he does not see the sinner. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. So as a believer, if you think you have done something wrong, just say, Lord, Daddy, I'm sorry. I messed up, I come back to you. That's all. The devil doesn't want you to return back to fellowship with God. So he tries to accuse you. He tries to accuse you. When you fall for the accusation, condemnation comes in. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Alright, Lord. Go to Romans chapter 7. Let's see that. That's not part of what I wanted to teach, but I sense the Spirit of God taking us there. Romans chapter 7. 
verse 15 onwards we know the great apostle paul wrote this romans the book of romans was written by the great apostle paul now here verse 15 paul is talking about himself he said for that which i do i allow not which version is this all right yeah that which i do i allow not for that for what i would that do i not but what i hate that do i now this is the king james let me get a nkjv all right says for what i am doing i do not understand what i will to do that i do not practice look at that what i hate that i do that means said some of the things that i do lord i don't understand some circumstances just force me to do certain things i don't understand it fully what i will that means what i want to do that i don't do but what i hate to do sometimes i do that who is talking here apostle paul the person who wrote one third of the new testament he is talking about himself let's read further verse 16 if then i do what i will not to do i agree with what the lord with the law that it is good but now it is no longer i who did it but sin that dwells in me for i know that in me that is in my flesh all right nothing good dwells for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good i do not find he says what the good i want to do i am not doing but the sin that is present in my flesh look at that he is talking he said not in his spirit but where is the sin in his flesh all right in his flesh all right he said what i don't want to do i do let's continue um verse 24 or right, verse 23 it, or sorry <laughs> let's read from verse 22 it says for i delight in the law of god according to the inward man that means the inward man is a real person the spirit he said in my spirit i delight with the law of god then verse 23 but i see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members he said in my spirit i want to do the right thing the law of god but sometimes i yield to the temptation that is in my body i i submit to the sin that my body want uh, body wants me to do and then verse 24 says o wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death paul is saying he is not talking about anybody else but himself he said sometimes uh i just fall i do things which i really don't want to do in my spirit i want to do the right thing i desire to do the right thing but sometimes i just fall how many of us can relate to that as born again believers all of us can relate to that thank god i am in the same category with apostle paul <laughs> at least that guy understands what i go through when we mess up paul understands that and he is describing himself he said <clears throat> verse 25 he says i thank god through jesus christ see the one verse before he's saying oh wretched man that i am ah imagine paul sitting there and then ah uh, just just cursing himself oh wretched man that i am why because he just did what was wrong he might have just lost it he might have just shouted something at somebody or he might just yielded to some temptation we don't know what but he is feeling wretched here he said oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me from this body who will deliver me that means he knows the real person is not the body the real person is the spirit sin is present in the body the flesh the desires of the flesh sometimes you just yield and he gets frustrated the real person inside you you get frustrated 
And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So then with my mind, I can serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. He said, basically what that means is, even though you submitted to sin, with your flesh, with your mind, with your spirit, you can still serve God. Are you understanding this? That's why the next verse, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Romans 8 verse 1 starts by saying, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ? If you are a believer today, you are in Christ. I will be covering that next week. What does it mean to be in Christ? If you are a believer, you are in Christ. There is no condemnation for you. Why? You have an advocate. You might have just done something that makes you feel wretched. I mean, do you know what the meaning of wretched is? You feel your worst. Sometimes when you just lose it, you just feel like just killing somebody. <laughs> Alright? You just lose it to the core. You look, you just represented the devil. You lost, you lost your cool, you lost it, you just look like the devil, you just behave like the devil. And immediately after that, you're like, ah, oh, man, I missed it. Oh my goodness, Lord, ayo, I missed it. You feel wretched. But still, you can be like Paul and say, I thank God through Jesus Christ. What did he do immediately after that? went to Jesus Christ went to Jesus Christ see why did you do that sin because you allowed wrong thinking to come in you, uh, you just let your thinking your thoughts go in a wrong direction see that what your body did was not because of your spirit your spirit is right with God but your mind you let your mind wander away from the word of God. Just got your mind involved with the world. And then you just behave like the world. That's why Bible says renew your mind. Do not be conformed to the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to renew your mind with the word of God. When you change your thinking with the word. You change your, what your body does but sometimes we all miss it there's too many things happening around us sometimes in the traffic you just lose it you might just keep honking you might lose it you might just drive this way that way why because somebody pissed you off some auto guy might have just ran in you just lost it you might chase him and then blah 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 just say something I'm guilty of it yeah I lose it and then you say, Lord, have mercy. Thank God for your mercy. And thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are there. You are my advocate. That's why it says, there is therefore no condemnation. The word therefore is very important. Romans 8.1 says, therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, you need to find out why it is there for. Because... It is a continuation of Romans 7, the last scriptures. When you feel wretched, thank God for Jesus Christ. He's our advocate. He is there on the right hand side of God, the Father, speaking for you. He is there speaking on your behalf. The accuser can come in and accuse you all he can. But if you go to Jesus Christ, if you run to the throne of grace, man, the judge there is on your side. First of all, the judge is your father. The advocate is your brother. He is your savior. He is your Lord. So you have more on your side than the accuser. You have more on your side than the accuser. You can say the court is biased. Yes, it is biased on your behalf. The judgment is biased because the payment for sin is already paid. The judge is your father, the advocate is your own brother. So, everything is for you. 
God made sure the accuser loses every time. Are you understanding this? That's why this is very important. So, to explain it further, you need to understand what is the truth. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is the truth. Sanctify them. Jesus is praying. Though if you read the, the John 17, it's a prayer where Jesus is praying for us. All right. He is talking about those who believe in him. He said, Lord, sanctify them through the truth, by the truth. Your word is the truth. So the word of God is the truth. All right. There's a difference between truth and fact. The fact right now may be your suffering sickness. Your fever is high. Your body is aching. But the truth is you are healed. See, facts can change, but the truth will remain. Your experience is not the truth. Are you getting this? What you are experiencing may not be the truth. Your, it might be a fact. The doctor's report is a fact. Your bank statement is a fact. That there are more zeros before the number than behind the number. Yeah. That might be your bank statement. That's a fact. But the truth is, he became poor, so you are made rich. Our God shall supply all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Are you getting this? The fact is, your BP is high. Your sugar levels might be high. Your thyroid levels might be all messed up. But the truth is, by his stripes you were healed. 2,000 years ago, all the healing that you needed is already given. 2,000 years ago, all the finances that you need is already given to you. That's the truth. Now, Lord help me put this. The truth is what you should experience ideally. If your experience does not match with the truth, then you should change your experience. Your experience might be high fever, heavily diabetic, high BP, or more zeros in front of the number in your bank statement. That might be your experience. But applying the truth to your experience will change your experience. Are you getting this? Applying, believing and applying the truth will change your experience. It's very important to understand that. You should understand, number one, positional truth. What is your position today? Number one, you are seated on the right hand side of God the Father. That's your position. We saw that, Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Where is Jesus Christ today? Ephesians 1.19 says, he, God raised him from the dead and made him seat, sit in the heavenlies, in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and put all things under his feet. That's where Jesus is seated right now. And chapter 2 verse 4 says, verse 6 says, And God raised us up together with him and made us sit together with him. Where? Far above. All principalities, power, might, dominion, every name that can be named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And put everything under his feet. That means under your feet. That's where you are seated. In Christ. So, that's where you are healed. That's where you are rich. That's your positional truth. Your experience may be different. Your experience does not define who you are. You, I'll repeat that again. Your experiences will not and does not define who you are. Till today, what you've experienced, the losses, the sicknesses, the lacks, the condemnation, the, the low life you experience, that does not define who you are. The word and what Jesus did for us through the process of redemption defines who we are. That's our true identity. That's our true position. Your experience 
should now match with the, what the truth says. How can you change your experience? By applying the truth. Your experience always, sometimes it tries to make you say the wrong things. For example, you went to the doctor. You, you might have gone for a, just a regular checkup. Check you, you didn't feel anything. You were feeling good. Your company might have arranged. I'm just giving an example, but a practical example which I've seen happen many times. You're, you're good. You went, your company arranged a checkup. You went for a checkup. And suddenly the report, some, some of those parameters were on the other side. <laughs> all right. They have uh, all those readings. They have healthy, unhealthy, extremely healthy, all those things. So the numbers may be on the other side. And judging by the numbers, your doctor gave you a report that you might be diabetic or your BP, you are having low BP. Till a moment back, you were fine. But now, because of what the doctor told you, because of some numbers, you heard it, you believed it, and you thought that's what you are. Now, what did you call yourself? You said, I am a diabetic. Are you getting this picture? Now, you identified yourself with your experience. You identified yourself with what the doctor told you. The doctor did not directly say you're diabetic. He just said, based on these readings, you're diabetic. Based on these readings, you're a BP patient. Now, what did you do? You heard something. You, you believed it. You let it come inside your mind, your thoughts. You heard it. You believed it. Now, you created an identity for yourself. Said, I am diabetic. You said, I am a BP patient. Or they said, we see this growth inside you, in your body, in this organ. What did now you say? I am a cancer patient. You just defined your identity based on the experience. But that is not who you are. Your identity is based on what the truth says. Your identity is based on what Jesus has accomplished for you. So according to that, what are you? According to the truth, what are you? Healed. According to the truth, what is your inheritance? Health, length of days, riches and honor. That is your inheritance. That is what you are. That is what you are supposed to experience according to the truth. If you take this truth, meditate on it, declare and start identifying yourself with the truth, then what happens? Your experience will now change and conform to the truth. When I had an accident, the doctor told me my, my right shoulder was fractured and dislocated. They put, a, they put a couple of screws and put a couple of springs and the left shoulder was completely ripped off from the joint. I mean, it was like there was nothing to hold it. My muscles were all torn apart. And they put a couple of springs there so the bones will stay together. And the doctor said, it'll take three years. You have to go for continuous physiotherapy, all those things. I said, all right, I'll see about that. I came home. I can't move my hands, the pain, pain was terrible. I, I could barely move, I couldn't sleep. I can't lie down because the moment my shoulder shifts, the weight shifts and then it's terrible pain. I have to sit down like this throughout the night. So what did I do? The doctor's report did not identify me. That's not who I am. I took the word of God. I said, by his stripes I am healed. I started identifying myself, building a mental image of myself according to the word of God continuously took me some time I can't sleep either ways so I might as well spend some time I finding the true identity so I sat with the word I declare oh he, he brings my bones together he, he, he brings he puts flesh he brings my sinews together tendons he joins them together he gives strength to the weak 
Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. So I started declaring, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I said, the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead is in me. He is giving life to my body. So I started identifying and declaring the positional truth. And what happened? Three months later, I was back in the gym lifting heavy weights. What happened? My experience changed. The doctor's report said something. The doctor's report said three years. But the, the, the God's report said, you're healed. So I chose the Lord's report. And I started speaking it. Not my ability, it's, it's the identity. James says, James chapter 3 says, your tongue bridles your whole body. The meaning of the word bridle means restrain. Restrain. That means, you know, when children are trying to move away, you hold them sometimes. I mean, sometimes when I ask my, my son for a hug, he doesn't want, he'll just go away. No, leave me, I want to go. I said, stand there. You're not going anywhere till you give me a hug. I hold him tight. What am I doing? I'm restraining him. He said, you can't move anywhere till you give me a hug. You give me a kiss. I'm holding him there. See, that's called restraint. So what? Your tongue actually restrains your whole body. By what you speak, everything, every hormone, every juices that are secreted, whatever is supposed to be there, is controlled, restrained by your tongue. So you start, you start saying, I'm strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. I started declaring strength. I started declaring every hormone that needs to be produced for strength, I declare it. Said my youth is renewed like the eagle. I'm strong. My my Lord is my strength. I started speaking, and then what happened? My bones became stronger. Everything became stronger. So that's how you control it. When I had the kidney stone problem, I started declaring the word. The medical report said kidney stone. You have to do an operation. You need to put that in this thing, that thing, break it. I said, all right. The Lord's report said. His word is like a hammer that breaks the, the rock in pieces. The Lord's report says, my kidneys rejoice within me. When, the, when, I'm, when it, there is pain, I started declaring it. What happened? Two days later, the rock came out. And since that day, absolutely no problem. See, that's identifying yourself based on the position that Jesus has given us. The truth in the word of God. You need to start identifying yourself based on the complete work of redemption. But sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes even to understand that it's like, Ugh, what does this mean? It takes a while. It takes a while. It's not easy. That's why we have a helper. To understand the complete work of Jesus, you need a helper. It's called the Holy Spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians. We'll see that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. This is interesting. This is a very commonly used scripture, but very heavily misunderstood scripture. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. See, it started with saying, as it is written. That means, this is a rephrasing of something that is written elsewhere in the Bible. It is written in Isaiah chapter, chapter 64 and 65. It is written. Alright? It is true. It is written there. Eye has not seen and ears have not heard what God has prepared for them. So many times people say, ah, I don't know. It is not meant for me to know. But continue reading. Read the next scripture, verse 10. It says, But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. It does not say, look at that, it does not say God will reveal. Is this, does it say that in your Bible? No. God has. That means it is something that has already happened. 
said, God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit, the Spirit that searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him, even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I know that's a lot, but the gist is this. Man's wisdom can look at the facts and tell you something. A regular man cannot understand what the scripture says. The scripture was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So you need the Holy Spirit to help you understand these things. See, a couple of years ago, before we got born again, if somebody comes and tells you these things, you'll be thinking that guy's crazy. I clearly remember, I was not born again. I happened to go to a meeting and somebody was talking these things. I said, this guy is crazy. I didn't understand the word he was saying. I said, this guy is crazy. When? I'm an engineering student and I was proud of it. It's like, hey, I'm, an, I'm a science student. This guy is crazy. He, is, he has no idea what he's talking about. Just a religious fool. These are the words I said. He's just a religious fool. <laughs> See who's preaching the word today. <laughs> Who became the fool today? See, I didn't understand those things. But after I got born again, what happened? Today I have the Spirit of God in me. John chapter 14. Let's read that. John 14. Verse 16. It says, I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Look at that. Who is speaking here? Jesus. What did He say? I will go to the Father, and send you the Comforter, and where will that Comforter be? With you, sometimes? Forever. Forever. Continue. And He is saying who it is. The Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and in you. The Spirit of God, where is he today? With you and in you. The world cannot receive him. That's why when you were in the world, you didn't understand. You didn't understand what the scripture says. Today you have the Holy Spirit inside you. That's why you are able to understand certain things. When we talk about being in Christ, you understand what that means. Why? Because it's not just me speaking that is opening your understanding. It's the Holy Spirit inside you who is revealing these things to you. Are you getting this? The Holy Spirit inside you is the one who is taking the word of God that I am speaking and opening it up in your mind. That's why he is called the spirit of understanding. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. Let's read that. Isaiah 11 verse 1 says, oh, Where is that? Uh, verse 2, sorry. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And what will he do? He will make you of quick understanding. Um, where is it? Yep. One second. He will make you of what? Quick understanding in the fear of the law. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. Look at that. That's why he is able to work with your understanding. The spirit of counsel 
and might. Counsel means good advice. Might means strength. And the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, he will make you of quick understanding. Who will make you of under, uh, quick understanding? The Holy Spirit. The only person who can help you understand scripture, understand the truth of what Jesus has done is the Holy Spirit. He will make you of quick understanding of what God has done for you. Are you getting this? So when you hear scripture, when you understand what Jesus has done for you and has already given to you, sometimes if it is too much for you to bear, immediately call on the Holy Spirit. If your, if your situation is so terrible, you know the word says, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be rich. Sometimes when financial situations just press you so hard, you, you know, and you know the word says, by his poverty you are rich. But somehow you are not able to just get that reality happen in your life. You're like, Lord, I know. I know in my head. I've read it before. But I'm not experiencing it. I'm not experiencing it. Sometimes the pain is too terrible. Your symptoms, your body is screaming out. But in your head you know. 1 Peter 2.24 Lord, it says, by, his stripe, by your stripes I am healed. I am healed. I know I am healed. But I am not able to relate it. It's not just making sense right now. You need to call on the helper. You need to call on the helper. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. He will start working in you. Say, Holy Spirit, you're my helper. Help me right now. I need help. I know that the word says this. I know. Many people have read it for me. I've heard it so many times in church that I am healed. I know Jesus paid for it. But right now, help me. Right now, help me. He's your helper. He will come and He will help you. He will, give, he will make that truth of the Word of God become a reality for you. Are you getting this? The things that Jesus accomplished for us by the redemption, by the process of redemption, is for us. Whatever the broken body and shed blood has accomplished is for us. But sometimes your situation, your experiences might be pressing you so hard, it might not be, it might be a little difficult for your understanding to bring those two things together. It's like the, have you seen those things when uh, trying to bring the same poles of a magnet together? No matter how much you try, they'll go away. It'll seem like that. I know the word says this. But my experience is this. I'm trying to make them together. Lord, help me. You need the helper. So when you call on his help, he will come. He will start working in you. He will see. That's why he is called the comforter. So the first thing he does is comfort you. That it's okay. It's all right. Now let me give you some counsel. He'll give you advice, the counselor. Let me, let me help you. He will help you. Let me give you some strength, the spirit of might. And he will guide you into all the truth. That's why he's called the spirit of truth. He will teach you. And then what happens? When you hear it, when, when he gives you the understanding, what the truth says will be your experience. Are you, get, are you get, getting this? This is very important. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 again. It, it explains it clearly. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. It says, Post the things of a man, save the spirit of a man. Who knows the things of, uh, who knows the will of God for you? Your, your spirit knows. Why? Because your spirit is with the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. And then it says, So the things, uh, said, Now we have received, 
not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things which are freely given to us look at that one job of the Holy Spirit is to help you know what is given to you one job of the Holy Spirit is to help you know what is given to you and then what do you do with it look at that verse 13 which things also we speak when you start speaking what God has given to you already by the finished work of Jesus what happens that will become a reality for you when the Holy Spirit opens your understanding about the truth and you start speaking it what you say will happen to you are you understanding this this is very important your position in Christ what is already given to you in Christ by the process of redemption it belongs to you but your experience may not be matching with it so you get the Holy Spirit to help you and now match your, your experience to what the word says your experience does not define you your experience does not classify you under a separate category your experience does not tell you who you are the word of God tells you who you are the truth of the word of God is what is supposed to happen to you now what do you do you get the Holy Spirit to help you understand it start speaking it start declaring the truth and your experience will now ma start matching with the word of God with the truth are you getting this it's very important this is a very important aspect of the process of redemption simply understanding it is not enough now start manifesting that in your life it has to show up in your life the finished work of the cross has to show up in your life in everything that concerns you are you understanding I just love that's why I love this topic of redemption every time I go through it I, I, I spend time studying it it just brings these things afresh in my mind what Jesus has accomplished for me on the cross Peter said all things that pertain to life and godliness is given to us how do I know it from the Word of God if my life my experiences does not match with it I take the truth apply the truth and now my experience will start matching the truth I understanding this time is up I believe you received something today let's pray